0: Hello there, welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. Series 3, we're reading Wings of Grey, last week we had chapter 3, and this week we're going to have chapter 4. I hope you've had a good week in the meantime. As I usually like to mention, I haven't read this story ahead of time, I'm reading it for the first time out loud to you. I've said it before, but I'll say it again, I find my stories on literotica.com which is a great online repository for erotic stories. And the author of this story is called Gweal, and that's spelled G-W-E-A-L-L. So if you want to find this story and others like it written by the same author, you can do that by searching for Gweall as an author on the Literotica website. It's always worth doing a little recap of what happened in the previous chapter. It was quite a simple chapter, really, chapter three. It was almost like a little one-scene vignette between Alex and Mike, as they spend their first night together unsupervised by parental eyes, and they made good use of the opportunity by having sex for the first time. It's not clear whether either of them had had sex with anyone before, but it was certainly their first time having sex with each other. And for a first time they really made the most of it. It seems like Mike is definitely the dominant force, while Alex is much more submissive. And once they'd both blasted their loads, Mike blasting his into Alex's bum, and Alex blasting his all over Mike's chest. The two cuddled up and fell asleep in each other's arms. So it was quite a wholesome chapter in a lot of ways, and the only real deviation from that tone was the brief section where Alex recounted a few of the horrific things that happened to him while he was living in the mutant concentration camps. Mike couldn't help but notice that Alex's body is covered with some pretty grisly scars and old bite marks. So I guess Alex felt he had to explain that those injuries were inflicted during one of presumably many forced fights initiated for the entertainment of the guards who kept control of the camps. Naturally, talking about this kind of stuff was pretty traumatic for Alex to relive, but Mike, as expected, was quite understanding and seems to be becoming quite protective of Alex. And with Chapter 3 successfully recapped, let's discuss briefly the statistics surrounding Chapter 4. It's got 2.7 thousand words. It's got a 4.64 star rating. It's had 18.5 thousand views, and 14 of those viewers have liked it. There's also 14 comments, so potentially everybody who commented also liked the story. The subtitle of Chapter 4 is Ethan Causes Some Problems. And even though this is a chapter with a little red H, indicating that it's a hot story, I'm not sure that those are the kind of problems that Ethan's about to cause. With the preamble information out of the way, I'd like to invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Chapter 4 of Wings of Grey. strolled through the hallway a few days after he and Mike had first made love. He glowed happily, and for once the glares and whispers he got from strangers as he passed didn't really bother him. He hummed quietly to himself and put his books into his locker before heading to Mrs. Travers' class. He sat down in his spot and turned to face Mike. Hi, he said, and smiled his brightest smile at Mike. Hey, babe, Mike said. He looked pale and tired. What's wrong? You don't look so good, Alex frowned. I'm sick, Mike said, as he leaned in for his good morning kiss. Alex covered his mouth with one hand, and pushed Mike away with the other. Don't you dare try to kiss me, sicko, Alex laughed. Mike frowned. I thought I could handle coming to school. But I don't think I can. I think I'm going to go home, Mike coughed. Alex put his hand to Mike's head. Mm, you do feel a little warm. Go home, baby. Get some rest. The sooner you're better, the sooner you can have your good morning kiss, Alex smiled. Hmm, definitely motive to get better, Mike laughed. He stood and grabbed his stuff before walking to Mrs. Travers' desk. He said a few words, and then Mrs. Travers nodded and returned to what she was doing. Mike smiled one more time at Alex and blew a kiss to him before leaving. Alex smiled and turned down to his work. Alex wondered what he would do for lunch since Mike wasn't there, but figured he could survive one day of eating alone. He decided he would eat outside. He liked being outside much more than being inside, But Mike had allergies, so he kept quiet about his preference to make Mike happy. He was very much willing to sacrifice something to make Mike happy. Hey, said Ethan from behind Alex. Oh, hi, Alex replied. He was startled that Ethan was talking to him. He remembered the hurtful things the other boy had said to him. Look, I wanted to apologise. I said some stuff the other day that I didn't really mean. I guess I was just jealous and worried my best friend was trading me in for a new one, Ethan smiled. Alex sensed something wrong here, but he couldn't quite place it. It's all right. a lot of people are uncomfortable with my kind, Alex said. He sat down at the base of the tree trunk. Ethan followed, without being invited. Alex felt uncomfortable around him, but said nothing. I was wondering if we could start again. I want to keep being friends with Mike, and if that means we've got to be cool, then I can live with that, Ethan said. It wasn't quite, let's be friends, but more of a, I'll tolerate you for now. Sure, Alex smiled but the grin didn't quite reach his eyes. Did you do the English homework? Ethan asked. Yeah, it's in my locker, Alex said. Man, can I get it from you? I'm nearly failing that class, and I don't have time to do it, Ethan reasoned. Alex hesitated, but agreed. Yeah, I can get it for you after lunch, he said. I kind of need it now, said Ethan. I said I would turn it in right after lunch. Alex sighed, slightly annoyed. Okay, I'll go and get it. He stood up, and after picking up his bag, began walking towards the hallway with the lockers in it. Cool. Ethan got up and followed him. The hallways were always quiet and empty. The lockers were far from where most people eat lunch, so they were usually pretty barren. Alex began unlocking his locker. Look what we got here, he heard from behind him. He turned and saw a large, beefy guy with a jersey on. Alex looked him up and down quickly before ignoring the boy, if you could call him that, and turning back to open his locker. He finished fiddling with the lock and opened it. The guy with the jersey leaned against the door and slammed it shut. Alex barely moved his slender fingers away in time. "'Alex, this is Randall. He's a new friend of mine,' Ethan said. He had a smug grin on his face. It looked more natural than the friendly one he'd tried to fake earlier. Alex felt his feathers shift uneasily and wanted to be back outside where people could see him. "'Hi. I just remembered. I have to go,' said Alex, turning away and walking towards the door." "'What's the rush, bird boy?' Randall snarled. He cut off Alex's exit and crossed his meaty arms over his chest. "'I have to get to class,' Alex said. we still got a while left for lunch, don't we, Eric?' Randall turned to one of his slightly less beefy friends. "'Yup,' Eric replied, pretending to look at his watch. "'Come on, hang out with us a bit,' said Randall, as he put his arm round Alex's shoulder. The gesture, which Mike did often, didn't seem friendly this time. It was full of menace and brute strength. I really have to go. Extra credit for history, Alex said, and spun under Randall's arm, heading back to the door. He felt a large, beefy hand grab the base of his left wing and pull him back. Jumpy little bitch, aren't you? Randall laughed, as Alex screamed, his delicate wings being handled so roughly. Just let me go, please! Alex tried to lessen the pressure on his wing by moving closer to Randall. Hmm. No, I don't think I will. But I tell you what I will do. I'll beat you into such a bloody pulp. No infected piece of shit will come near this school ever again. Randall's threatening playfulness disappeared quickly and was replaced with real threats. Alex looked up at him, eyes wide with fear. Randall squeezed the base of his wing tighter before turning his wrist sharply. Alex squawked loudly and fell to his knees in pain. He screamed, hoping someone would hear him, but the only other sounds were the snap of his wing and the laughing of Randall and his goons. "'Please,' he begged. "'Please what?' "'Scum!' Randall laughed at the crumpled mass of feathers that used to be Alex's large, proud wings. "'Please let me go!' Alex begged louder. "'Again?' "'No,' said Randall, as he pulled back his foot and kicked Alex hard in his side. Alex swore he had a bone crack under the heavy boot of his assailant. He screamed and curled around his wounded rib, Randall grasped a handful of hair and pulled him up to a kneeling position. He pulled back his right hand and punched Alex in the nose. Alex felt warm blood gushing out of his nose onto the white speckled tile of the hallway. He saw it soaking into and staining the blue jacket Mike had given him. He raised his hand to cover his nose, leaving his stomach wide open. Randall threw a lower punch into Alex's stomach and smiled. Alex grunted. He fell to the ground once more, and didn't even see the heavy boot swing down again towards his face before he blacked out. Mike tried for the fifth time to call Alex on his cell. He hadn't been answering all day, there was no answer the day before earlier, the day he'd gone home sick. Why isn't he answering? He always answers, Mike thought to himself, before hanging up once he'd reached Alex's voicemail. He'd already left three messages, and figured a fourth one wouldn't make the difference. Something felt wrong and Mike didn't like it. He shoved the phone into his pocket and began walking to the third class of the day. He sat down and saw Ethan wasn't in the room. Mike's feeling of dread got worse. He had enough and walked to the teacher's desk. "'Excuse me, where's Alex?' Mike asked. "'He's in the hospital,' replied the teacher. "'He was found in the hallway, beaten up pretty badly,' she explained, and returned to her work. Mike felt his chest tighten, and he squeaked out a small thank you before returning to his seat.' He sat for a moment before getting up and running out of the school. Mike finally reached the hospital, and was glad he lived in a small town, and that the hospital was only a few blocks from the school. He burst through the door, and ran straight up to the front desk. "'Please, I need to see Alex—um, I don't know his last name, but he's infected. Orange eyes, grey wings,' Mike explained, frantically. "'Yes, he's here, but I'm afraid I can't let you see him if you're not family,' said the nurse at the desk, giving him a funny look." Mike realised he still had his backpack, and he was sweating from his run to the hospital. "'Please! He doesn't have any family! I need to see him! Please!' Mike was yelling now. People began to stare at him, and he looked around before lowering his voice. "'I'm sorry, I just... I care about him a lot, and I need to see him. Please! No one else will come for him,' Mike begged. He felt hot tears stinging his eyes. The nurse looked around and behind her for a second, before she nodded her head down the hall. "'Room 308. If anyone asks... I didn't let you in, she whispered. Mike sighed. Thank you so much, he said, before walking quickly down the hall. He turned into room 308 and gasped as he saw the thin form lying there. Where the skin wasn't bruised, it was pale and splotchy. His right eye had a very large bruise covering it and was swollen shut. His lip was split and it still looked red and irritable, like it had just stopped bleeding. His nose looked like it had been broken and was bruised as well. Alex's left arm was in a cast, and his right thigh was wrapped in gauze, Mike could see the blood soaked through one layer of it. His neck had obvious finger marks around it, and was bruised and swollen. He had a cut above his left eyebrow that was stitched shut, and he had a bandage wrapped around his ribs. Alex was asleep, but his sleep looked anything but peaceful. His brows were scrunched together, like he was in pain, even in sleep. His breathing was quick and short. His hands were balled into fists at his sides, and they clenched and unclenched around the sheets. His left wing was folded and pressed to his back by a bandage. Mike sat quietly down next to the bed. He took Alex's uninjured hand and rubbed it soothingly. He noticed Alex visibly relax and seemed to sleep more peacefully. Mike leaned down and kissed his hand, nuzzling it lovingly. Before he realised it, he'd fallen asleep at the bedside. Mike! "'Wake up,' Mike heard from his sweet dream of making love with Alex. "'What? Alex?' Mike looked up at his lover's face, saw he was still asleep. He turned to see his parents, standing behind him. "'Mum? Dad? What are you guys doing here?' Mike rubbed the sleep from his eyes. He looked at his watch, and saw he had been sleeping for only an hour. "'Your school called, and told us you had randomly run out of your class. We couldn't figure out where you could have gone.' "'We asked your teacher what she'd said to you, "'and she mentioned you asked where Alex was, "'so we came to the hospital and found the nurse "'who had seen you come in here,' his father explained. "'Oh, I'm sorry. "'I know I shouldn't have just run out like that, "'but I was worried about him. "'I didn't want him to be alone.' Mike looked up at Alex's sleeping face and stroked his hand. "'You really care about him, don't you, son?' Mike's dad asked. "'Yes, I do. "'I care about him more than anything,' said Mike, "'leaning forward and crying into the bed. "'His dad wrapped an arm around his shoulder.' and held him while he cried. Alex shifted in the bed and moaned. Mike looked up quickly, and squeezed Alex's hand again. "'Mike?' Alex whispered. His eyes stayed closed, but he raised his head slightly. "'I'm here, baby, I'm here,' Mike whispered, standing up to move closer to Alex's head. He gently stroked his hair, and Alex opened his good eye. "'Mike, I'm sorry about your jacket,' Alex whispered. His voice was hoarse and scratchy. "'Baby, I don't care about the jacket. I care about you.' "'God, I was so scared when I heard you were hurt. "'I swear to God, whoever did this, I'll kill them,' Mike said. "'Who did this to you, baby? "'Who hurt my beautiful songbird?' he asked, and kissed Alex's temple. Alex shook his head quietly. "'I don't want to make you mad.' "'I'm not mad, baby. I'm furious. "'I can't believe someone would hurt you like this,' Mike said, "'and stroked Alex's broken ribs gently. "'It—it—it was Ethan and a couple of his friends,' Alex said. "'That son of a bitch!' I'm going to kill him, I swear to God. Mike stood angrily. His dad held him back, but he continued to try and get past him out of the door. Mike, please, I need you. Alex held out his uninjured hand, but it soon dropped. He didn't have the strength to hold it up for long. Mike immediately calmed and went back to Alex's side. It's okay, it's okay. I'm here, baby. Mike soothed Alex gently. Mike, we'll give you two some time alone. We'll be right outside, Mike's mum said, before she and Mike's dad stepped outside the room. My poor lover, Mike stroked Alex's hair lovingly. I should go get a nurse, tell them you're awake, he said, and began to stand up. No, please, don't leave me, Alex reached out for him. Shush, I'll be right back, Mike said, and walked quickly from the room. He found the nurse who'd let him in at the front desk. Excuse me, he's awake, Mike said to her. She looked up and nodded. Mike waited while she paged a doctor over the intercom, and a minute later, a handsome doctor with chocolate-brown eyes and the same colour hair walked to the front desk. He followed Mike into Alex's room and introduced himself. Hello, Alex. I'm Dr. Marks. He greeted him with a smile. Alex tried to smile back, but it came out as more of a grimace. Hi, he squeaked. How are you feeling? Any pain? the doctor asked, as he shined a light in Alex's good eye. I'm okay, Alex said. The doctor gently pressed on his ribs. Alex gasped and whimpered. "'You don't seem okay,' the doctor said. He began unwrapping Alex's chest to look at his horribly bruised ribs. Alex shrugged, or at least attempted to shrug. The pain from his ribs and everything else made it difficult to move. The doctor turned to the nurse next to him. "'I think Mr Evans could use some morphine,' he smiled. "'Evans?' Mike whispered to himself. "'What?' Alex turned his head to face him. "'I never asked what your last name was,' Mike smiled. Alex laughed. But then winced and wrapped his good arm around his ribs. Please, don't make me laugh, he smiled at Mike. The nurse came in with a syringe full of what Mike assumed was morphine. Wait, I don't, like, need, started Alex, but was cut off when she immediately pushed the needle into the IV and depressed the plunger. Alex immediately relaxed. Oh, he blushed. His entire body drooped, and he sighed. Oh. His eyes glazed over, and his body was limp on the bed. That's nice, he sighed. Mike laughed. Alex's good eye began to close, and he tried hard to keep them open. Go to sleep, babe. I'll be here when you wake up, Mike said, and smoothed Alex's hair. Promise? Alex asked. His good eye was already shut, and his breathing had become deeper. Promise, Mike whispered. To be continued... There we go, chapter four of Wings of Grey. Not necessarily a sexy chapter. It's almost like the author got the sex out of the way in chapter three. And now we've had the hanky-panky, we can change gears and get into young adult novel mode. Classic bit of schoolyard drama there. Bit of a flimsy pretext, I thought, in a way, to have Mike not there to defend Alex. Mike's not feeling very well, so he goes home. But I guess also Gwil kind of needed to make sure that Mike was out of the picture for a couple of days. And in a way, there's an interesting symmetry there with Mike being unwell at the beginning. And Alex isn't particularly sympathetic. Doesn't even want to give him a little morning kiss in case he catches Mike's illness. And by the end of the story, the roles are completely reversed with Alex being the one who's a little more than poorly granted with several pretty serious injuries, a really bad beating that he went through. Mike is incredibly supportive and sensitive, doting at Alex's bedside. There's an interesting symmetry, I think, in this chapter in that way. It's a little bit scary how lost it seems Alex is without Mike around. Mike's his only friend, his only lifeline. He hasn't really made any other connections at school. And when it comes to lunchtime, he's got really nobody else to sit and eat with. In a way, it's kind of funny that there aren't more supporting characters in this story. It feels like everybody who's mentioned has a key narrative role. They're in the story because they perform a function driving the story forward. After all, it doesn't seem like Mike really has any other friends other than Ethan. And aside from Ethan, the only other people that have been talked about going to the school are Ethan's new far-right extremist anti-mutant friends, big beefy bully Randall and one-liner sidekick Eric. Those are the only people that go to this school that we've heard about. And it seems unusual that someone like Mike, who's a football player after all, he's a sportsman, he's a bit of a jock. Even though he's a gay jock, I still feel like a physically striking, attractive sportsman is going to have a higher popularity standing than it seems that Mike does. Doesn't he have any friends? And I was also thinking, aren't there any women in this story who kind of lament the fact that the handsome, buff football player happens to be gay and is therefore not interested in them? And that makes me realise that there's actually no women in this story at all, apart from the teachers that we've seen and Mike's mum. There's a real female absence in this story. Maybe Gwiel's a little bit too young to have heard about the Bechdale test, but even excusing that, I think you'd expect there to be some female characters who might take an interest in Mike. And for Alex, as a new kid, with something quite unusual about him, I think you'd expect a little bit more attention and perhaps curiosity from other classmates. So it does strike me as a little bit unusual that after two months, there's absolutely nobody that Alex can even call enough of an acquaintance to sit down and have a quick lunch with. That must be quite a lonely feeling for him. And I wonder if that's something to do with the way that Mike is. Mike seems like quite a protective guy. Maybe he's also a little bit controlling and and wants to keep Alex all to himself. He did mention something like that when they had that little argument. At the time I thought maybe that's because Mike doesn't have all that many friends but I'm starting to wonder whether actually there is something difficult for Mike in sharing Alex with other people Alex is quite submissive to Mike not just in the bedroom, I also mean In their everyday lives. The fact that Alex actually prefers eating outdoors, but he hasn't even dared express that preference, because he knows that Mike likes to be indoors because of his allergies, and his instincts are to keep quiet and make a sacrifice himself, rather than try and open up and reach a compromise. So maybe what I'm picking up there from Alex is, A sense that he's becoming quite reliant on Mike, he desperately needs Mike, not only to protect him physically and support him emotionally, but also because there's just nobody else in his life. He doesn't know anyone. Mike is kind of all he has. And I think that's always a problematic dynamic in a romantic relationship. And as soon as Alex is alone, in swoon the bullies, like vultures circling a wounded animal. And they're quite crafty too. Ethan, is he's there to trick Alex and pretend to be his friend and to uh, make common ground. But his real objective is to lure Alex away into the dark corridors where the lockers are. And then when he's all alone, out pops the beefcake. <laughs> Although I thought I remembered the beefcake's name being Rodney. Somehow that's turned into randall unless this is a completely different guy which seems unlikely because if that's the case then what happened to rodney and where was randall in previous episodes and we don't get much of a description of the sidekick eric but i imagine eric is like a bit more of a weedy guy a real sidekick type if you know what i mean It's a pretty stereotypical scene in lots of ways. A few familiar tropes from the kind of teen movie genre, like that bit where Alex opens his locker and once he gets it open, Randall slams it closed in quite an intimidating way. You could almost call it meta if the story wasn't so lacking in self-awareness in all its other aspects. But that whole bullying scene up against the lockers is kind of ripped out of every young adult novel slash serialized teen drama slash teenage movie almost anything that's set in a high school has a moment like this what's not quite clear to me though is why randall and eric have such an investment in alex what's in it for them in beating him up I think you can almost understand Ethan's motives for hating Alex. He even slips that little nugget of truth into the lies that he tells Alex to lure him to the lockers. But for Randall, it's much less nuanced. It seems like the only thing you could say is that he's just a racist. He just hates mutants, simply because of their mutations. And I don't even know if you could call that one-dimensional even. It seems like there's even less depth to his hatred than that. And in a way, it's bizarre that Randall is even a character at all. When we already have a character with motivation to beat up Alex, why isn't Ethan doing the dirty work here? Why do we need somebody like Randall to do Ethan's dirty work for him? I wonder if there's a sense for the author that they don't want to slander Ethan too much, that they want to give them a bit of a scapegoat, uh, a get-out clause that lets them shirk responsibility for what happened to Alex onto someone else who exists purely as an unnuanced symbol of hatred and intolerance. Maybe there's a sense that it's too raw for the author to simply have... Ethan go from Mike's best friend to Mike's worst enemy who beats up his boyfriend and there needs to be this separation. Ethan is falling in with a bad crowd and he's good deep down but has been corrupted by a larger, more imposing and more straightforwardly evil person. I wonder if there's going to be a redemption for Ethan at some point that explains the unwillingness to commit to condemning Ethan. I thought it was odd that when Mike gets to the hospital, he has this strange and ultimately pointless back and forth with the nurse, because of course Mike wants to see Alex, that's the reason he's at the hospital, and the rest of the chapter can't go anywhere unless he gets to do that. So it's funny that the author has the nurse stand up as a very short-lived obstacle, and there doesn't seem to be really any point in it apart from perhaps rubbing Alex's lack of a family in our faces one more time, a detail which we already know quite well at this point. So it's strange that the author chooses to write almost as many words describing that ultimately pointless back and forth, because as he spends describing the various injuries that Alex has suffered, And that description is not without significant detail. In fact, I'd argue it goes into a little bit too much detail. Just to briefly bullet point Alex's wounds, he is bruised all over, and anywhere where there isn't bruising, his skin is pale and splotchy. So I guess like red splotches. So skin's a mess. Large bruise on the right eye. It's swollen shut. Split lip. that's just stopped bleeding. Broken and bruised nose. Broken left arm. His right thigh is bleeding. He's got strangle marks around his neck, and that's all bruised and swollen. He's got a cut above his left eyebrow that's had to be stitched shut. And he's got broken ribs that are all bandaged up. It sounds like Alex was hit by a train or something. But I think that descriptive paragraph is another one that almost verges on parody. It's a little bit overkill with one thing, and then another thing, and then this, and then another thing, and also this. It's just, it's a little bit like a hat on a hat. Obviously, when Alex wakes up and sees Mike there, tells him that it was Ethan and his new friends that are responsible for his injuries, Mike's reaction is immediately to seek violent revenge. And in a way, it's a bit of a shame that Alex is able to soothe him so quickly. Why have this conflict between Mike and Ethan and this horrifically violent incident that justifies Mike's feelings of wanting some revenge if you're not then going to allow Mike to even really sit with the emotions of wanting to get his own back for more than a couple of minutes? It's almost like before Mike has even really had a chance to process his anger, Alex is already soothing him down and trying to quell the reaction. And from a reader's perspective, it feels a little bit frustrating to feel like the story manipulates you into having that feeling without really giving you an opportunity to vindicate it in any way. And I think the effect of the scene at the very end when Mike and Alex are whispering sweet nothings into each other's ears as Alex drifts off leaves things in a way which is a little bit unsatisfying because we haven't had any payoff one strange detail with this story that, I, that I'm struggling to wrap my head around is why did the author withhold the information of Alex's second name until Chapter 4? Mike and Alex seem to have had a relationship lasting more than two months without Mike ever learning Alex's second name. And I think it's a little bit strange to make a point of bringing it up now in Chapter 4. And that makes me wonder whether Alex's second name is going to become an important plot point later on in the story. Obviously, there wasn't any sex in this chapter. There wasn't really any opportunities for it. I guess the only thing you could say was that Mike at least tried to get a little morning kiss from Alex. And then later on, when Mike fell asleep at Alex's hospital bed, he seemed to have a little bit of a dream about having sex with Alex. (laughs) Quite a teenage thing to happen given the circumstances. I don't think many of us would sit at the hospital bed of a loved one who had been very badly wounded and slip off so easily into dreams about having hot sex with them. But I think you could also argue that's probably a more or less accurate representation of what the priorities of a teenage boy's mind might be. But this is clearly more than just a physical relationship. There's a deep connection And I feel like at the end of this chapter, the scene has been set for even more of the young adult dramatic novel side of this story to take off. So good chapter, well deserving of its 4.64 rating and little red H for hot badge. I guess in this case you'd say it was a hot story in terms of heated emotions (laughs) rather than hot, steamy, sexual type of hot Let's have a look at those comments. We've got 14 of them to go through. Plenty of comments on this story, which is something I love to see. First comment here from Alexandra36. That's a name I remember. I think we've heard from them before. They say, DUDE! All caps. Five exclamation marks. (laughs) Did I not recommend for you not to get Alex beat up? Was it asking too much? I mean, I know it's your story and all, but geez, hasn't he suffered enough? i even recommended might get beat up instead which part of it did you not get anyway not reading your story any more it's a good story and all but i just can't take that much abuse for the little guy hope it all ends well but you just lost a fan full stop sad face oh my god i can't believe what i've just read that was such a slam of a comment alexandra 36 not messing around not taking any shit from guil <laughs> And almost indignant that their request not to have Alex get beaten up, which, come on, was obviously going to happen. I mean, Alexandra 36 basically predicted that it would happen in their last comment. And now they're upset that it has happened. (laughs) Was it asking too much? So entitled. Lordy, lordy. (laughs) And they're so upset that their recommendation hasn't been taken on board by the author that they're not going to read the story anymore. They're going to end it on chapter four. How petty is that? I wonder how much that stung for Gwil, that last line, you just lost a fan. I wonder if Gwil found that really painful to read or whether they were guffawing in their chair like I've been. So I guess we won't be hearing from Alexandra 36 again. Let's see if they keep their word. There's a comment from Anonymous who says, Yay! I've been keeping an eye out for the new chapter. Did not disappoint. So someone liked it. And there's another Anonymous here who liked it. They start with, Loved it. Your story is developing the way it should. Your way. All caps. <laughs> that seems like they're rushing to Gwil's defence a little bit after Alexandra 36's brazen attack. They go on to say, You keep the chapters coming, and all of your other fans will be right there to read them. Thank you for sharing. I know it wasn't easy to put yourself out here on this site, but many of us appreciate your talent. That's a nice comment to have, and I certainly agree with that. I'm one of the ones who appreciate your talent, Gwil. Comment here from Feelin' Romantic. They say, Nice work. I'm really enjoying watching this story develop. Great concept, too. I hope you're enjoying writing it as much as we are reading it. My one niggle? Question mark. The slight overuse of the term baby. But that's just me being picky. It certainly won't stop me reading your stuff. Smiley face, thanks for sharing. (laughs) Throwing even more shade at Alexandra36 there. (laughs) It's not going to stop me reading your stuff. I'm not petty. Not like some people in these comments. Although I have to say, I do kind of agree with um, Feeling Romantic's niggle, the slight overuse of the term baby. I don't think it's egregious. And I think, if I'm honest pet name type stuff, calling people baby and babe. That's in a lot of stories. It's not unique to this story. But yeah, I I do see what they mean. I find it a little bit cringe also. But just like them, it's not going to keep me from reading your stuff, Gwil. And I hope it's not going to keep you from continuing to listen to the conclusion of this story coming up in future episodes. CM Young says, well done. I'm really enjoying this story. It's a very different take on Avian, but with all the other infected. It's very well done. Alex does seem to be coping with a lot, but that just makes me think the ending will be well-deserved for him. Happy, I hope. Ethan needs his ass-whooping, big time. Makes you want to reach through the screen and strangle him, but that's just good writing. Keep it up. Peace out. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I felt that sense of anger towards Ethan, and I really sympathise with Mike's initial reaction, which is to get even. Amber, one, three, one, two... We've heard from Amber1312 before. She says, I love this story. It's different, but in all the good ways. Don't keep us in suspense for the next chapter too long. Well, it's certainly a different story. I don't know if it's different in all the good ways. It's certainly different in some of the good ways, for sure. But I take your general point, Amber. This is a good story. I'm looking forward to the next chapter as well. Cand says, Really enjoying this. As a parrot lover... I feel like he's got avian characteristics. Man, I can't wait. <laughs> How often do you hear somebody introduce themselves like that? As a parrot lover. I hope he means in the sense of being an admirer of parrots rather than a sexual lover. Although maybe that's why they're interested in this story, because it's one of the rare pieces of media that really hones in on one of their big sexual fantasies. Bird love. Anyway, Kand goes on to say, Man, I can't wait till Mike gets his hands on Ethan. I was only surprised that Alex put up no fight when he'd been pitted against other infected, especially a panther, and obviously fought and lived to tell about it. So why couldn't he put up a fight against a human being, big or not? Other than that, I like the quiet and shy personality he has, and I love how he and Mike are together. Keep it coming. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. But then, I think I've discussed this before, for the kids in school, violence is kind of a game that they're playing. There's no sense that these fights are life or death, and they're not thinking realistically about what the consequences of fighting might be, because they live in this safe, protected environment of school. Whereas for someone like Alex, who's experienced real trauma and been exposed to real violence in these concentration camps, his relationship to violent acts is significantly different. Violence isn't a game to Alex, it's this real, scary, dangerous thing. And so to tap into that part of himself, to fight these kids... If he really lets go and indulges his violent instincts, especially using those claws that he has, then he might do some real permanent damage to these guys, maybe even kill them. And I think there's also a strong sense that violence for Alex is part of his trauma, and to fight in the way that he was forced to in the concentration camps is not a pleasant experience for Alex. It's a deeply traumatising thing to have to do, and something that he's going to avoid almost at any cost. I think it's also worth saying that just because Alex was able to fight in the violent atmosphere of the concentration camps where that kind of behaviour is normalised, that doesn't mean he's always ready to go and can just jump back into that violent state of mind. And you might even say that those violent experiences that he went through have formed part of why he's such a quiet and shy person in the real world outside of those camps. He's someone who has created a new identity for the outside world, and I doubt that it's as easy as snapping his fingers to channel and relive that extreme violence that he's essentially trying to escape, and possibly even bury, a similar comment here from AvidReader underscore zero one. I think we've heard from them before. They say, this is a good series and I'm enjoying it immensely, but I'm with Canned. Why didn't Alex put up a fight and try to defend himself? Other than that little hiccup and calling Ethan Eric, it was another good chapter. Keep him coming. No, I don't think he did call Ethan Eric. I think Eric is another character. Eric is Randall's sidekick, right? I hope I haven't got that wrong, but what I'm imagining is that there's, there's Ethan... And he's fallen in with Randall, and Randall's got this little sidekick who hangs out with him and leans out from behind his back and goes, yeah, you better run. I think that avid reader underscore zero one is wrong about that. I think that Ethan and Eric are two distinct characters, even if Eric isn't exactly given a whole lot of description. Comment here from smiling underscore reader. They say, sorry if I'm wrong, Gwiel. Avid and canned. I don't think Alex fought back, because he had suffered years of abuse growing up, and it was probably second nature to be passive and take the hit. This chapter was really good, and it's nice to see the relationship that continues to develop between the boys. Smiley face, can't wait for more. Yeah, I think I agree more with smiling underscore reader. There's a comment from Anonymous here who says, I like the chapter. I also agree with smiling underscore reader. I thought the reason Alex didn't fight back is because that's what he is used to. If he fought back in the camps, it would probably make the beating worse. So just take it and hope the person giving the beatings gets bored soon. Yeah, that's also an interesting point. Alex has probably learned to deal with beatings in a constantly oppressive environment with violent and very powerful authority figures where really resistance is futile. It probably does become part of your defence strategies and survival instincts to avoid fighting back and escalating a confrontation. You just want it to be over as quickly as possible in case it gets worse. So I think that's a really interesting point from Anonymous there. Uh, Erchina, we've heard from them before. They say, I really like reading this story a lot. I'm really interested in finding out where this goes and what happens with Ethan. Also, how Mike and Alex's relationship develops. Looking forward to the next chapter. Happy writing! Broadly agree with that. Definitely looking forward to the next chapter. Kazihana552 says, I hate people like Ethan. They are such insufferable fools. I hope he gets his ass beaten by Mike. (laughs) Yeah, definitely feeding off that injustice that I think it's only natural to experience. And I'm sure that Kazahana five five two won't have to wait long to see Mike get his revenge. I can just sense it coming. Hot Lover69. I think we've heard from them before. I think they're a classic one for the short sweet comment, and they've done the same again here. They've said Good. No full stop even, just the one word there. Thanks for that, Hot Lover69. Always nice to hear from you. Our final comment is from Super owner 123 and they say Ethan wouldn't be able to sit, exclamation mark. I would shove my foot so far, all caps, up Ethan's ass that the doctors would have to stitch his asshole back together. I hate punks, lol. <laughs> That's an odd place to pop a lol in there, isn't it? Uh, anyway, they go on to say, story or not, he's pissed me off, but that just means that the writer did a terrific all caps, job conveying feelings through the story. Yeah, I agree with that. Any story that stirs up your emotions, that allows you access to the world of the characters, and that keeps it relatable, and gets you invested in what's going to happen, and feeling that empathy with the situation has done a good job. So some great comments there. I was expecting another comment from Gwil himself, but maybe that comment from Alexandra36 was a little bit too salty for Gwil to feel confident getting involved in this particular comment section. But we won't be hearing from them again, I assume. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter of Wings of Grey. If you have enjoyed it and you want to check out some of Gwil's other stories, you can click onto literotica.com and search for Gweal as an author. It's spelled G-W-E-A-L-L. They've got 15 stories on their profile, 79 chapters uh, split between all those stories, so plenty there to enjoy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe. Please rate the podcast. Please share it with your friends and loved ones. Get it out to anyone you think might enjoy it. I will be back next week for Chapter 5, And I'll tease you now with the subtitle, which is Out of the Hospital and Into Mike's Arms. Ah, So that sounds like it's going to be a good one, and I'll be here to read it to you in a week's time. Until then, I wish you a very pleasant week. And for now, I'll say goodbye. Punks, lol. (laughs) (laughs) That's an odd place to pop a lol in there, isn't it?